So what was the part of the movie where you realized that this was just going to be irredeemably terrible? As soon as I saw Jamie Campbell Bower's hair. <laughs> it I'm was pretty kidding. tragic. Yeah. For me, it was as soon as I realized that the main characters' names were Clary and Jace. It's a pretty, pretty telling detail. I mean, Jace is bad enough, but Clary? Yeah, Clary's is bad. <laughs> I mean, it, it just makes her sound like a Pokemon. <laughs> or an elderly British man. exist across the world in their varying different forms. I don't understand what any of this has to do with my mom. Your mother was a shadow hunter. Like him. Like you. There's a map inside your head, Clary. You are the key to our survival. What is it about her? She's different. She's gonna get us all killed. The werewolves are here to save us. I never thought I'd say that. Hi, I'm Rose. I'm Hannah. And this is More is More, a bad movie podcast. Where today we're talking about The Mortal Instruments, City of Bones. Starring Lily Collins, Jamie Campbell Bower, Robert Sheehan, Kevin Durand, Lena Headey, CCH Pounder, Jared Harris, Jonathan Reese Myers. There's a lot of people in this. They got a lot of big names. They did. They really did. Yeah. Uh, and it was still so bad. It's funny, just because they didn't even try and disguise the fact that they wanted this to be the next big YA franchise, because they called it Mortal Instruments City of Bones. Yeah. Mortal Instruments is the name of the series. I know, and it's really, I get so embarrassed for franchises when they do this. The same <laughs> thing happened with Stephanie Meyer's next series, The Host. Yeah. And they did one movie, and they were like, oh, this isn't going to work. Just the writing, the source material, both of those things were so terrible. And I mean, you can see, you can almost see the book through the movie. But let me just say that having read the first 50 pages of the book, mm -hmm. the movie was exponentially better. That's really terrible. So for everyone who doesn't know all about fan fiction writer drama, Cassandra Clare, who wrote the books, started out as a fanfic writer of Harry Potter. And... She kind of came up through that world, and there's a surprising amount of authors that have become successful and started out as fanfic authors on the internet. Cassandra Clare is plagued by accusations of plagiarism. And I wouldn't, I guess I wouldn't call them accusations. I would just call it people realizing that that's what she did. <laughs> so she lifted some stuff from kind of famous people, and then, um, also wrote terrible books, it sounds like. I think the problem is the bar for fanfic is so low mm -hmm. that you can seem like a really good author, even if you're just mediocre, because who you're being compared to is terrible. So right. then you get into, like, the real world of people who don't read fanfic. Like, your book gets published, and it's fine for, like, preteen girls who mm -hmm. this is all very romantic and exciting, but, like, I was an adult, and... <laughs> 
I read this thinking it would be exciting because I love the name Mortal Instruments. That's an awesome name. It's a good name. I love the name City of Bones. That's an awesome name. <laughs> so I was like, well, I'm going to read this book. It was not awesome, guys. Yeah. It we're was not, real bad. We're not saying it can't be done. Holly Black, she's great. Yes. I think I kind of thought it would be more like that. Yeah. She wrote the White Cat series, which was amazing. I recommend it to everyone. And the Cruel Prince series, which is really big, even though I haven't gotten into it yet. So, anyway. So, we knew this movie just had to be the worst. And it was, as evidenced by the 14% on Rotten Tomatoes. No one liked this movie. And you would never have thought that the director of, the, of Agent Cody Banks <laughs> could have fumbled it like this. <laughs> I mean, he's also, he's done other things. The Twelfth Man, the, the the recent Karate Kid, I guess people liked. But he also did The Pink Panther 2 in 2009. So, really runs the gamut, this guy. It kind of sounds like he's just a working director. Like, he'll be as good as the script you give him. But he's just going to do the script you give him. And this script, okay. See, I want to say that it's bad. But in reality, this script was better than Twilight. Because it had, for all of the really terrible things that most of the movie was, there were some actually really funny moments in it. There were. And I think part of it is because of the, because there are really good actors, so mm -hmm. if you give them something that's just not, like, the worst, they'll do it really well. Yeah. But then also, clearly whoever wrote the screenplay, like, there were some lines in there where the I was like, that was a legitimately were... funny line. Yeah, but then at other times, the lines were just cringeworthy. I hope that the funny lines were original to the screenwriter and the cringeworthy lines were original to Cassandra Clare because that would make a lot of sense. I actually think that that was the case. Yeah. I, I feel like that was the case. I was like, okay, this would fit better inside of a soapy book than in this movie right now. That feels shoehorned into this situation. Oh, I know. I have so many moments written down. Guys, this is going to be <laughs> me just highlighting moments of dialogue that I just thought were either legitimately funny or the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, this is a clip show. <laughs> it should be. I mean, I highly recommend this to anyone who thought Twilight was funny because... <laughs> This has a lot of those same types of moments that are really just, like, honestly hilarious for how terrible they are and made me feel really bad for the actors that were having to deliver this. Because Jamie Campbell Bower and Robert Sheehan and Lily Collins, they're all better than this movie. So is Jared Harris. Oh, I mean, almost everyone that's in it is better than this movie. I'm sorry, Jonathan Reese Myers is not better than this movie. <laughs> he is better than this movie, but he, he... he was weird. For one thing, he hasn't been in a lot lately. Maybe he no, just needed some work. I think he just... I've seen him in other stuff where I'm like, yeah, this checks out. And I'm like, I, I don't know if he even noticed how bad this movie was. He was like, I'm just showing up to work. I think everyone was like, oh my gosh, another big franchise and I'm going to make a fortune on it. Please let me be in this movie. And because I, I mean, the amount of money that people in Twilight made on that franchise, oh, Harry yeah. Potter, the oh, those people never had to work Hunger again Games. if they didn't want to. Exactly. Like, I feel like you would just do it just of for the residuals. I feel and then, so bad for Robert Sheehan. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, we're going to get into Robert Sheehan because... Who is delightful. He was so underused in this movie. And a favorite of the podcast. Yes. I will watch something just because he's in it. I Same. feel like people may have noticed this in Geostorm, but I'm a big Robert <laughs> Sheehan fan. A big Sheehead? <laughs> if he had a fan group named that, I would totally join. Yeah. He's not an actor you actually see that much, but you I really wish don't. I saw him more because yeah. he's so charming. He is. Well, and he can play all 
types. Yes, all types of charming. All types but, of but charming. But he can't play not charming. That's that's his no. one weakness. This is the straightest I've ever seen him played, also. He can go very irreverent in a delightful way. And he was still kind of irreverently charming, even though he was playing the straight, nerdy friend. <laughs> I know, I, I honestly didn't recognize him at first because I've never seen his hair so short. <laughs> I know, it was really short. This is going to be a super long episode because there's a lot of really bad things in the movie, and it just is. So we're going to split it into two parts for my own sanity and editing it, and for your sanity and listening to it. Okay, so let's get into it. We open on a teenage girl named Clary Frey talking on the phone with her BFF, Simon, who is Robert Sheehan, we'll see later, about the poetry reading they're going to tonight. And I already hate this movie and think that these characters are the worst. <laughs> these teens are insufferable. Also, we've, we'll shortly find out that her mom is a painter who's successful enough to support them in New York City, in a relatively nice-looking part of New York City. Oh my gosh, this, I'm shocked at how well she gets paid for this. That house is beautiful. Yeah. So we can already see that this is some weird stereotype that Cassandra Clare has for how life should be if you're like a wonderful, awesome, super cool person. But poetry readings and artist parents is not actually something that most people would enjoy. It's also not something that most, it's something that sounds like people would enjoy it, but then in real life it's just, it's different. It's like when people write characters who are writers because it's easy to do that. Well, the funny thing is when people will write characters that are writers and they never actually do any work. Right. Because to watch somebody write is boring. They're just sitting there typing away at something. What's the so same? instead it's this thing of, oh, this is why they can go do whatever they want during the day whenever they want to. And it's like, well, if they do that, they're not a very good writer or they're not producing very much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's the same with painters. I mean, if you're showing them, you can show them doing like a little bit of painting, but you're not going to show like real painting work going on. Right. You just have to show their art all around the house and it's like, bam, that's how they have money. Now they can do whatever they want. Yeah. So this is already a weird wish fulfillment that is very unattractive. Although she does seem to realize the poetry thing is weird. But Clary keeps drawing a runic symbol over and over without seeming to notice while she's on the phone. Her mother sees the rune and is very concerned. And she shows it to her friend Luke, who's a close family friend. And Luke says she, that she's old enough to know now. But her mother disagrees. Clearly disagrees. She wrote, like, it, it's it's also weird because she's clearly not really noticing the symbol that much, but she still throws away a piece of paper with a phone number that she wrote down on it. I'm like, doesn't she need that? Well, that's the thing is Clary looks at where the, the phone number was and it was like, I don't, okay, I have to go. <laughs> yeah. I guess she didn't need the phone number. I guess not. Okay, so she goes to the poetry reading, we see her there, and the poetry reading is terrible, of course, because this is an attempt at humor, because most poetry is laughably bad. Right. But it, it didn't really, it felt like it was trying too hard. Oh, for sure. The poetry was too ridiculously terrible, and you could see the joke coming from miles away. That's the thing, for you to do something like that subtly at this point in civilization's history, it would be very hard. Yeah. But Simon, who's there with her, is adorable because he's Robert Sheehan, and exactly. he should 100% be the romantic lead for this film. I know. A blonde girl seems to notice this about him, and Clary encourages him to ask her out, but he says he's saving himself for someone else. And I oh, felt really bad for him be? having to deliver this line. I know, right? Um, also, what she actually said was, that girl was flirting with you, when what really happened was she <laughs> looked at him. That's not flirting. 
Yeah, she looked and kind of, like, smiled a little bit. Yeah. While he was waiting for coffee next to her. Yeah, that's not... Like, I kind of had to do a double take in my memory, and I was like, wait, was he talking? Nope, just looked at her. Okay. That's all it takes. (laughs) That's all it takes. And can I point out that Clary pours a packet of sugar into her whatever she got the same way that Bella Swan pours ketchup (laughs) out of the bottle, which is, like, very half-heartedly, mostly nothing comes out, tiny bit at the end. Oh my gosh. They go to a club after the poetry reading since it's her birthday, so she wants to go. It's called Pandemonium or Pandemonium. Yeah, depending how on how you read is. the sign. Yeah, that's how the, it's like a narrow sign, so that's how it's. Yeah, it was real subtle. Build on a sign, but really she just saw the rune on the sign. Yes. And mm-hmm. no one else can see it. And that's the only reason she wanted to go to this club. Because you look at the club and the people that are going in, and you're like, why did you want to go here? Oh, it yeah. does not seem like your kind of place, girl. No, it's like a weird, like, punk rave kind of Yeah. Scene. And they go inside. They're led inside because she's like, you can't see that room? Like, look at the room. What does it mean? Blah, 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 blah. And one of the, one of the bouncers is like, oh, you're nuts, girl. And the other one is like, let her inside. <laughs> yeah. Actually, so, she's clearly cool. something's up. Yeah. So they let her inside, and then Simon immediately leaves her alone in this place that they super-duper don't belong, and she's either going to get drugged or murdered. That's and the, he just leaves her to go get her a drink. That's the thing. If you can blend in a place like this, it doesn't matter. But honestly, in any club where you can't blend and everyone's just going to stare at you, why would you ever split up and be alone? It's not comfortable to be in places like that. Yeah, it's not at all. It was so, it felt so weird that Simon immediately went to go get her a drink. Because also I'm like, Simon, look at Mr. Confident here. This club we super don't fit into. I'm just going to walk right up to the bar and get her a drink. <laughs> well, and why wouldn't she go with him? Whatever. Also, they're underage. That's what I thought. So it seems weird for a club like this to be an all-ages club. Or at least 18 plus. Is she 18? I feel like they're supposed to still be in high school. In the book, at least, she's 15. Are you serious? Yeah. I mean, I knew she had to be, like, 16, 17, 18, but, like, 15? That seems young. I'm guessing she's supposed to be at least 16 in the movie, but, yeah, in the book, she's 15. Okay, well, she definitely shouldn't be allowed in this club. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, that does explain a lot about her attitude in general, but, like, it's also... It's just bonkers. Like, that's so young. I know. Especially considering some of the stuff that happens, like, romantically. The fact that she's 15 is weird. I just feel uncomfortable now. (laughs) Anyway. I know Lily Collins wasn't 15, so. No. So, she, while she's wandering around, she sees three people kill one of the patrons with a sword. Mm-hmm. And she screams, but everyone looks at her like she's nuts, and the three killers are super surprised. They look at her like, yeah. whoa, we didn't expect to be seen doing yeah. this out in the open. One of them is Jamie Campbell Bauer, and yes. his... His gross long hair. Horrifyingly gross hair. So he's not like a looker anyway. He's weird looking. He's so if anything, looking, he just yeah. looks like interesting. Right. And he can look fine, again, in a strange way, kind of like a model way. He's got a little bit of a model face like that. Yeah. And here, his long gross hair, and it's not even that long, but it just makes everything look terrible. But it's clearly like unwashed and. Yeah, and it's dyed blonde and all this stuff, and I 
truly don't understand the hair decisions that were made in this movie. <laughs> especially for Jonathan Reese Myers. I would say especially for Kevin Durand. <laughs> what was happening there? Was he a cartoon? No, I can't get over Jonathan Reese Myers' hair. That's my worst hair of the film for me. Okay, well, we, we'll disagree, but I think they're close. <laughs> okay. Anyway, Simon, who also thinks she not, she's nuts, takes her home. And she wakes up the next morning, and her walls are covered in drawings of the room that she'd been drawing before. Her mother tries to talk to her, but she leaves with Simon to go to a coffee shop. Which, her mom didn't have to let her do that. Apparently here's she the, did. Here's the thing. She acts like, oh, I just could never get a minute with her. If it's really important, you can just be like, hey, guess what? Like, magic exists and blah, blah, blah. You And you could just be like, no, you're not leaving. We have to talk about this. Make... I mean, it was almost like the fact, because she was clearly going to do that, but the fact that Simon was at the door, I think, was, she was like, oh, I wouldn't want to do this in front of Simon, who seems to be part of the family, really, so. Make him leave. This is not hard. Also, I mean, Simon is so much a part of the family that he has Clary's mother's phone number in his cell phone. Right. Like, he's really close. So you just say, like, hey, Simon, this is a bad time. You have to leave. Like, we're talking about stuff. And... This is another, this whole conversation, this whole conversation was so hard to summarize because it's one of the first examples of this movie trying to do too much, like trying to fit too much into it. And I think it was an attempt to make it seem like a normal conversation in people who have full lives. Um, (laughs) Because it starts off with her wanting to talk about the fact that she came in late and then somehow segues into Clary accusing her mom of stringing Luke along yeah, romantically, which is, which is weird. Which she turns into her, Clary stringing Simon along romantically. So it was. It just felt like there was a lot of unconnected things in this conversation that just all got touched on for some reason, and then nothing really happened. Yeah, especially the most important thing of magic is real, and I need to talk to you <laughs> exactly. And it's a big deal. Yeah. At the coffee shop, she sees Jace, who's one of the killers from the club, Jamie Campbell Bauer. But Simon still can't see him. She goes to the alley to talk to him and accuses him of being a cold-blooded killer, to which he says, as opposed to a peace-loving killer? No, you idiot. Those aren't the opposites. (laughs) Cold-blooded as opposed to, in the heat of the moment, passionate killer. Not peace-loving. Yeah, exactly. What What is wrong with you? Yeah, she's describing, for example, the differences of degree in murder charges. Yeah. And what gets you more time in prison. Jace. Do you understand the way the English language works? You idiot. Yeah, it was, uh, I was very disappointed in that line because it made no sense. Yeah, also one of the reasons that, um, this may have had a lot crammed into small places is that it looks like the book was about 500 pages long. Okay, although to be fair, I, just watching the movie, I could easily see where they could take a whole bunch out, and, uh, they wasted about half an hour uh, at the end of the movie on the climax, so... (laughs) I know. It wasn't well used. Anyway, Jace is all sarcastic and moody and dreamy, and when she shows him a drawing of the rune, he says, you're not a mundane... We're going to discover oh. that mundane is how is the word that they use. It's basically like muggle. muggle. Yeah. yeah. What does that sound similar to? And it's terrible. Muggle is an awesome word to describe non-magic user and seems like something that could come up in a society on its own. 
mundane isn't even a word normal people use. And it's a gross, awful word. Yeah, it is. Especially just to constantly have to use to describe people. Oh, he's a mundane. I'm like, that takes too long to say. There would be (laughs) something, some other way to say it. Yeah. Mundane. Ugh, so awful. (laughs) Anyway. Meanwhile, Clary's mother is being attacked in their apartment. Yes, by a pair of weirdos, one of whom is Kevin Durand, another podcast favorite, at least of mine, <laughs> but consistently cast in weird roles. And, and this is one of them. This is one of them. He, for some reason, okay, a lot of people in this movie are British. They are not allowed to use their British accents, except for Lena Headey. And, well, Jace is, and John oh, yeah. Myers. Oh, did he have one? Yeah, oh, Irish, but yeah. Okay, I didn't hear the accent on him. Um, uh, Hodge, I think, also. Yeah, well, it's hard to tell now. The point is, uh, <laughs> a lot of people were not allowed to use theirs, like Lily Collins and Robert Sheehan. For some reason, Kevin Durand was asked to use an accent <laughs> that was very low class and weird. I guess because it wasn't enough for his character to have insane hair, which was like a reverse tonsure for monks, <laughs> and just like very thin hair just like sitting on top of his head like a mop. Oh, it was so strange. <laughs> so I kind of kept expecting it to be revealed that he was a troll. <laughs> that would have made sense. <laughs> but it wasn't. I feel like I remembered from the last movie that he was actually a troll and he just appeared as a human being. That's really funny. And I'm realizing now, just now, that that never actually happened. No, it sure didn't. So. No, there was, but they did focus on him a weird amount for him to then just still be a henchman the whole time. Yeah, he was the main thug. Yeah. And I get that it was because for a long time we didn't know who the main villain was, and so he was kind of like the stand-in. Yeah. But still strange. Uh, they also have a dog with them. Oh, yeah, they do. Rottweiler? Yeah, he's uh, he's sort of this movie's version of a meat dog. I know! That's <laughs> what I thought, too. Yeah. So, she fights them off. Clary's mom fights them off and calls Clary. In the alley, Clary's phone rings and Jace says, Maybe you should answer that. It could be your boyfriend. He's not my boyfriend. Does he know that? You saw them for, like, two seconds together at a coffee shop. And I know they were sitting, like, right next to each other because she was trying to hide behind him. And Robert Sheen was like, oh, you can, like, cuddle up to my side because he's adorable and awesome. Right. But it's weird that, for one thing, he would make any comment whatsoever about her having a boyfriend. And it is also weird that he then feels the need to press the fact that she, that he's more into her than she is into him. Yeah, this in this movie, apparently everybody can tell when somebody likes somebody else, and they comment on it all the time. Even if you have almost no knowledge of the people involved. Right. But it does really set the tone for Jace that he immediately is weirdly jealous. Yes. He is so dramatic, jealous. He's such a... Oh my gosh. He's really angsty. So this it's is... very tiring. Yeah. So, which is funny because there's actually parts of this movie where I like Jace. And it's the part where he's not thinking about Clary. <laughs> I know. Because then he's just kind of sarcastic and and yeah. competent. And but whenever they try to make him have feelings, he's it's very unattractive. I think you can tell he's a 17-year-old boy, I tell you that much. But you can also tell from this... like. This is the line where you can tell that this comes from a fan fiction base where every it's all just about romance and everyone is either super interested in getting in a relationship or 
they immediately fall in love with whoever is available around them. Yeah, they and everybody has to be in a love triangle. Yes. Yeah. It's it, and this is the kind of thing where you're like, oh, very shoehorned in. Yeah, the the romance. It's funny because I would say, well, this was just an exciting little YA adventure. Except the romance drags down the movie so much, and I know the romance was the point. So it's kind of sad that it shows that yeah. it was the point, and it's not what anybody came here to see. But it is like you said, like it always feels very shoehorned in, very forced. Like I, because the thing about Twilight is, even though the romance was also unbelievable, they spent enough time on it that you at least understood why they were together. Yeah, this. I never understand any of it. It's like they, it's like they magically fall in love, even though there's a whole bunch of distractions around them, and we're supposed to believe it's their one true love. It's weird. Yeah, I always imagine being like an asexual person watching these movies, where you're like, they've seen each other for like 30 minutes total their whole lives, and they're like, oh, we're in love though now. I know. Let's make out. Oh, uh, so weird. Yes, I didn't like it. It's like anyway. using a sexy woman to sell bacon, and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> anyway, Clary answers the phone, and her mother says not to come home, to call Luke, and to tell him Valentine's alive, and he found her. Valentine, by the way, is the name of the villain, and it is one of the best villain names of all time. It's a good one. So, good job on that. Claire. I think the other problem for me with the name Clary is that I keep feeling like Cassandra Clare named the, the main character after herself, like her last name. Yeah, so I think she did, and also <laughs> her last name is Frey. She's in the Frey. Yeah. I, so, it, everything is horrifying. Yeah, I don't love it. Anyway, then Clary's mom drinks what I assume is poison. We are not told a lot about this. I think this is something that was talked more about in the book. From what I gathered, it was actually some sort of sleeping draft. Yeah, um, I think that's true. And so I assumed that her mother was dead after this. I thought she was dead, too. I was so surprised when they were like, we have to find my mom. Right, everybody kept talking about her like she was still alive somewhere. And then finally I was like, oh, wait, I think she's supposed to be alive in the movie still. And she is. Yeah, they should have added a lot. All of the things that they info dump on people. And yet... There are some big things that they're like, we're just not going to address this, and you'll just have to assume. Yeah, this needed more explanation. Yeah, it happens more frequently at the end. They just, like, get rolling and they don't explain stuff. Because we get tons of things we don't need to know. There's so much info dumping. And as she's, like, passing out from this drink, she's like, you'll never get the cup. So, now we know what the movie's about. Clary, yes. Clary, of course, races home immediately. Instead of calling Luke. I guess maybe she tries to call Luke and he doesn't answer. I don't know. All I know is she immediately she, ran home. So she actually doesn't. If she had immediately called Luke, she would have caught him. But then at, it's like halfway through running home. She's like, I'll call Luke now. And he's walking out of his room <laughs> and leaving the phone ringing behind him that he doesn't hear. Yeah. So once again, this is your fault. Yeah. Well, she finds their apartment completely trashed and her mother missing. But it's not completely empty. Yes, because the Rottweiler that was with the attackers is there. And as he attacks her, he transforms into a hideous meat dog monster. Yes. And I love seeing attack dogs in movies because if you really look at them out and don't think about the context that they're in, you can tell they're just like dogs standing there. And they're just, like, happy to be there. I mean, they've put these growling sounds over them. Yeah. But they're not doing that. <laughs> yeah, the dogs aren't actually hostile. Right. And, like, they're chasing the person. And it's either because they were trained to do that or the person has, like, ham in their hands. Yeah. 
Clary uses the kitchen gas to kill it with the kind of confidence that makes me think she's thought about this before. Because she doesn't... No hesitation. Yeah. The monster reforms, though, until Jace shows up and stabs it. Uh, yeah, it reforms while she sits there and watches it happen. Well, to be fair, she was just on the fringes of a gas explosion. Okay. I still think (laughs) that she could have gotten it together enough to start running out of the apartment. Oh, well, that's true. What the hell was that? You wouldn't believe me if I told you. Try me. It was a demon. You're right. I don't believe you. I still think there's a more logical explanation for what just happened. Yeah. I kind of actually like that exchange. Yeah. (laughs) This is the thing. It's like, there's honestly good moments, and yet somehow it's still a terrible movie. Clary knocks on the door of their reclusive neighbor to ask where her mom is. I don't know why she thinks the neighbor would know, because she never really comes out of... Yeah. Because she never really leaves her apartment, but... Turns out, said neighbor is a witch and offers to read the tarot cards for her. Clary chooses the Ace of Cups, which which Jace immediately interprets to be a symbol for the Mortal Cup. He's like, that's the Mortal Cup, what's it doing here? Yeah, I'm like, you mean the Ace of Cups, which theoretically is a part of every tarot deck? Yeah, and... I don't know tons about tarot, but I, I do feel like the cards are consistent from deck to deck. Yeah, they should be. <clears throat> I mean, they mostly are. I guess he means, why did she choose it? I don't know. Why did she draw it there? So now we get a huge amount of info dumping. Basically, Clary's a shadow hunter, just like her mom and Jace. Shadow hunters possess magic and hunt demons. The mortal cup has been missing for years, and it's one of the three holy objects of the shadow hunters. Also, Clary's memories have been blocked by her mother. This is what (laughs) we get in this scene. In a nuanced delicate reveal yeah then clary hears something in her apartment and attacks it with a fire extinguisher but it's only simon who takes surprisingly little damage for being hit several times over the back of the head with a fire extinguisher yeah that i wouldn't have bounced back from that (laughs) he seems fine jace is now visible to everyone which makes things easier he clears up a very important point which is that his hair is naturally bleach blonde and the three of them go off to find luke So the night and day changes in this movie are crazy. It's now (laughs) night. I don't know where the rest of the day went. I know. Because it was morning. It was morning. They were leaving for a coffee shop. Yeah. Clary had just woken up. Her mother didn't have a chance to talk to her. So I guess they had to walk there several times. Anyway, Simon's left as a lookout while Clary and Jace go inside to find Luke tied to a chair being questioned by her mother's attackers. I mean, they don't know that, but we do. Right. Jace says he can't help him since the thugs work for Valentine, so they watch as he's beaten up and questioned. Eventually, Luke claims that he's been trying to find the cup for years and has no loyalty to Clary or her mother. Clary makes some noise, though, and everyone sees her as they run away, killing some demon cops outside as they go. Although I think Simon makes an excellent point that if they're not cops, where'd they get the car? Yeah, that is a good question. So... Jace? Okay, so here's the deal. The guy that they were killing in the club, Jace explains that the guy that they killed in the club was a demon. Mm -hmm. Demons just exist in this world. They can take over anyone. Yeah, any living thing. That's why the dog was also a demon. Right. So the guy in the club was was a demon. The cops were demons. But 
The thing is, they, they clearly were cops that were just possessed by demons. So you did kill someone. You killed the guy in the club. You killed the police officers. But they were possessed by demons. Those people, though, were still dead. Yeah, unless... Unless they were to go into more detail and, like, it turns out that once the demon possesses you, you are dead already. And it's just the demon there. And if the demon left you, you'd be dead anyway. Like, that's the information we would need for in order for it to be like, I didn't kill anybody. It's but we really, never get that. Yeah, and clearly exorcisms aren't an option. It's not like they can exorcise the demon. And Right. So I actually had a huge problem with the fact that they never clarified that because I'm like, you might straight up be killing someone. Now, if you, if there's no choice, if there's no way to get the demon out, right, then yeah, I understand, but it makes it more complicated because now you have actual dead human beings. Even if you kill them, demons are gone. It's just a dead body that's left. Don't they like melt though? Well, now we have all uniforms like deflated. Okay, I didn't notice that, but that would at least make some sort of sense. Although, still bafflingly, and clearly just, it's kind of like when the vampires turn to dust in Mm -hmm. Buffy. Like, they just need a way to get rid of the the bodies without (laughs) the characters spending massive amounts of time digging graves. (laughs) Or, like, being incarcerated later. Yeah, but I, I am like, well... I feel like there should be some complications with law enforcement because now there are all these missing people. Well, they're at least going to find the uniforms empty and, like, the car there. Yeah. That's still going to be an investigation. This movie explains a bunch of things that it doesn't need to, but then doesn't explain other things that I do feel like they need to. So... Yeah. And Luke's whole, like, okay, he's being straight up tortured. And his whole, like, oh, I'm not close to them. I've been trying to find the cup. I can't help you. I don't even like them. That's oh enough gosh. for Clary to immediately be like, he's telling the truth to those people that are beating him up. Got it. I, yeah, because she now has a meltdown about it. And I'm just like, it never once occurred to her that he might be lying to them. Right? Because Jace is like, well, maybe all those happy memories you have are just implanted false memories. You can't trust anyone. This is his whole refrain constantly through the movie, except he immediately trusts Clary, and Clary's supposed to trust, immediately trust him. Like, Yeah, I was but, surprised that it didn't turn out that he was somehow not on the up and up, because the first thing he said was, don't trust anyone. Yeah. And I was like, well, okay, so she shouldn't trust you. That would have been way better if he'd been... Yeah. Betraying her. Except it was also so obvious that they're supposed to be, like, end up together at the end of the series that I was like, but he's definitely not. Yeah, but frankly, I'm kind of still surprised that he wasn't betraying her in some way or another because it just would have increased the angst level over three books. (laughs) It's true. So Jace takes the two of them back to his Shadow Hunter mansion. Also, does Simon not have parents who will be worried about him? I mean, Clary's I mom is gone. I think he does. <laughs> but is Simon just a homeless orphan? We have no evidence. Well, he's very well dressed. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he's homeless. But he does not appear to have anyone to check in with. Because he doesn't throughout the course of this film. No one seems concerned about him. Yeah. No one calls him or anything. <laughs> Including Simon. He's so, like, down for the ride. He's just like, all right, this is happening now. <laughs> I know. Because, okay, so... Again, I love Weird Robert Shannon. All right. Uh, crazy magic demon stuff. Uh, I'll, I'll go with you. <laughs> yeah, because as soon as they get inside the mansion, Clary faints from her demon bite. And we have an, actually a nice little exchange between Clary and Jace. The hell is going on? What are they doing in here? It's a demon bite. Clary. Jace, do something. This is the part when you start tearing up pieces of your shirt to bind my wounds. If you wanted me to take my clothes off, you should have just asked. 
But it, she wakes up the next day, and Jay and Simon are both, like, hovering over her. Even though it's morning, I'm like, did you guys not have anywhere to be? Was this all night? Did you set a timer for this? <laughs> yeah. But, so, Jace healed her demon bite with a rune, which proves she's the shadow hunter, I guess. And Simon is so excited about it. Oh my gosh, it's the best thing he's ever seen. He is like a kid who just found out something very interesting. And he's like, and then the runes do this? And then blah, blah, blah? And this? He was adorable. I know. We also meet the rest of the Shadow Hunter gang, which is shockingly small. Yeah, it's two more people. For yeah, well, and one more person who can't leave his house. Yeah, it's but he's like an old guy. He wasn't going to go out in the field anyway. Yeah, it's Hodge. It's our wise mentor character, Hodge, who can't Jared leave. Jared Harris. Yeah, won't won't leave his house. Yeah. So the other two are the spunky and confident Isabel, who I felt was a very underused character in this film. I liked yeah, her a lot. She was likable. Yeah, her I, brother was not, and he was overused. Yes, yeah, so we have also the surly and mistrustful Alec, who immediately hates Clary and is just, oh my gosh, just feeling stuff all over the place. Like, get it together, Alec. Yeah, every I, I'm surprised that the Shadowhunters can get anything done <laughs> when mostly they're walking around feeling strong feelings. Uh, Isabel's surely the only one that can get anything done. Yeah. And they're in this huge mansion, and Jace is like, oh, there used to be a lot of shadow hunters. And I'm like, yeah, there used to clearly be, like, 50 shadow hunters, and now there's three teenagers <laughs> and a middle-aged man. How are you able to do anything? So is this because... I wasn't super listening during this part. <laughs> uh, is this because the cup is gone? Well, there kind of seems to be this idea that it's irresponsible to use the cup anyway, because it kills most of the people that it... I more see. people than it transforms into. So the... Yeah, the cup is used to transform people into shadow hunters. Okay. But they did say that the number of people it kills is really high, so there does seem to be a general idea that you shouldn't. Right. I thought maybe it was because they were constantly at war, but I'm like, you know, if that's the case, then you guys need to be producing more children. Because it d will go down in your in your bloodline. It will be passed on genetically. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm surprised there's not, like, a weird incentive program. Well, yeah, it would be your duty. You would see it as your duty in order to protect the human race and fulfill your function. You should have, like, 12 children. R right, because if the numbers were high, they would still want at least two kids replacement rate for each pair of people. Right, and they would want you to get married and start having children as soon as you could. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, because they'd probably want higher than two, really. Assuming, yeah. you know, people were dying left and right in the field. <laughs> well, yeah. Jace takes Clary to meet Hodge in the library, and then they watch, for some reason, Jason, Alec, like, watch from a balcony while she wanders around waiting for him, mostly just so they can have this conversation about Alec bafflingly saying, just be careful, the rune to fix a broken heart is the most painful one. Because he can somehow sense that Jace has already fallen in love with her. Yeah. Or just assumes that he will shortly. Again, and this is not the last time that someone else in this movie is like, I can tell you're in love. And it's so, it's kind of like he assumes that any woman that Jace runs across, he's going to fall in love with. Like, it's just a bizarre assumption to make. Because honestly, if there's only the three of you, you'd probably be interested in just having anyone from the outside come in and just like a new person to talk to and think about. Right? Like, I would assume that all of them would be interested in this, especially since Clary is a shadow hunter, so it's not like... 
She's not a part of our world. It's like, no, now you have somebody you can be yeah, friends with. Yeah, you don't with. have to keep secrets from her. Although, they do act like she's not part of their world. Well, yeah, At least Alec definitely does. He's like, you should leave. Because Alec is the worst. We'll talk more about him later. But yeah. He is just one of the laziest characters of all time. <laughs> I know. And so, you know, in response to this, though, Jace says that they'll be gone in a day, which doesn't make sense, because like you said, Clary's a shadow hunter. Why would she be gone? This is her life, her destiny. If anything, you would see it as her duty to help you fight demons. Right. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So, weird. Hodge shows up and tells Clary a legend that an angel poured his blood into a cup, and those that drank from the cup became shadow hunters, which have to fight demons and my thought is why can't the angels just fight the demons oh i know i'm like you lazy angels <laughs> yeah. delegating this to other people this was your job what are you doing right now exactly so weird legend that i don't like because it makes no sense and it also they also say that it means that shadow hunters are half angel yeah they do get called children of nephilim later yeah which is actually kind of a weird phrase because the nephilim in the bible are already i think I mean, there's a lot of speculation about what the Bible says when they mean Nephilim, but one of the theories is that it means uh, half-angel, half-human. Yeah, maybe this is their concession that, like, okay, we get that they're not really half-angel. I don't like, know. That also seems maybe like too, Nephilim, too much nuance for this book. Yeah, maybe in order to be a Nephilim, you have to have drunk from the cup yourself, so then sons of Nephilim... Again... Why bring this up if you're not going to fully explain it? It's dumb, and I it makes me angry. Okay. They put a lot of half-hearted effort into uh, attempting to seem have, like, a mystical backstory. Honestly, it would have been better in a lot of ways if they just hadn't explained anything. Because <laughs> there are some things they explain where I'm like, that just causes more questions. It just makes it less realistic. It's, like, one of my favorite rap lines I've ever heard. There are things in my past that should not be explained. <laughs> which is amazing because it, it implies that it's worse if you hear the real story. Yeah. <laughs> it's better if you misunderstand. Yes. So Hodge also tells her about Valentine, just for fun, I guess. Valentine wanted to turn more people into shadow hunters, even though, as we said, it kills most people that, who drink from it. So he stole the mortal cup and started doing experiments to try and evolve the shadow hunters. He also injected himself with demon blood to gain power and rule over them. So, question, does he want to make more shadow hunters? Doesn't seem like it. Evolve the shadow hunters or rule over the shadow hunters? Because within a very short story, we are given three different explanations for what he actually wanted to do and none of them go together. Yeah, I think he wanted B and C to have shadow hunters be different and better. And also he's the king of the shadow hunters, but also of the demons. Yeah, so I don't he, know why. If he wanted to make more Shadow Hunters, he would have just started doing that. I can understand that if originally his idea was, well, there aren't enough Shadow Hunters because there super aren't, so we need to make more. And then I would understand if he changed his mind and said, actually, humans are the worst, so what I want is super powerful Shadow Hunters, more evolved Shadow Hunters. Mm -hmm. And then, while he was trying to do these experiments, he was like, actually, I just want to be super powerful myself. But when right. you're telling the story after everything has happened, you don't need to go through the evolution of the plan. Just say he wants to be super powerful and rule over the Shadow Hunters. That's enough. Right. So how poorly do you need to explain his backstory? That's bonkers. Clary's mother stole the cup from him and hid it because she 
thought he was nuts. Hotch clearly Correctly. thinks... <laughs> she identified that he was nuts. <laughs> Say it again. She identified that he was nuts. Yes. Hodge clearly thinks Clary knows where it is, but can't remember. Jace takes Clary to the Silent Brothers in the City of Bones, which is just a Shadowhunter mausoleum, in order to return her memories. Also, I forgot to mention, during all this, Isabel takes Simon on a tour of the Institute and is talking to him about things, and at this point, I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish the two of you would get together as the two best characters in this film. So, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that happens in the book, but I really hope it does, because Simon deserves a happy ending. It seems like it would. Well, I'm sure he gets together with someone, because whenever there's a love triangle and young adult stuff, they always try at the very end when there can be no more angst because the series almost done they always match the person up with someone uh, some other side character it's like, like oh it's their true love also, also. don't worry uh, they ended up happy yeah because we know some of you were rooting for this person yeah although i have a feeling that if robert sheehan wasn't playing simon he would just be a boring character he didn't really think about very much yeah it's clear that he was meant to be in the book yeah exactly which stepped down from the Twilight Love Triangle. I know, where it was a the other guy was vampire. more interesting. Yeah. The Silent Brothers perform a ritual on Clary, and she remembers some childhood scenes, including picking up the cup card and her mother telling her not to touch it. And I already know the solution to this mystery, so why did you do that? You're a real Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> no, Guys, you need to cover your tracks better than this. Because the witch in the apartment had said that her mother painted the cards for her as a, as a gift. Right. Clary also writes the inverted image of the name Bane. And Jace immediately figures out what it is and what the name must be. He must be quite the little puzzle solver. Seriously, because that was weird. I know. He must devour the Sunday edition. <laughs> so that's where we're going to end part one. And we'll continue, we'll finish the movie next week. Please know that this cliffhanger is more compelling than any in the movie itself. <laughs> so we'll see you next week with the second half of City of Bones on More is More. For more of our podcast, go to moreismorepodcast.com. To contact us, email at moreismorepodcast at gmail.com.